It's the Kyle Hyman Show on Redeemer Radio. And the reality is that our weaknesses are our greatest blessing because it is a place to open up to show, no, we need God. We are absolutely poor and we are absolutely dependent on him. It's time for Morning Jolt with Sister Ignatia Henneberry from the Sisters of St. Francis of Perpetual Adoration. Wake up! Welcome to Morning Jolt with Sister Ignatia and friends. Oh, and friends, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sister Ignatia, Sister Emmanuel, and Sister Chiara Lucha. Luce. Luce. Yeah. <laughs> Back at it. <laughs> Luce. Why, did, why, why didn't you go with an English pronunciation of these Oh, isn't things. the question, why didn't the Lord go with I don't know. <laughs> you could pray about that one. <laughs> now I need to go to confession. Uh, All right. I'll pray for you. <laughs> I have a, a theory that if you see a sister, I haven't been practicing this with you guys, but if you see a sister in public, you just say, hey, sister, could you pray for me? Because she has to say yes. <laughs> And then it's free prayers. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Is, is it's it, a huge moral dilemma. Like, <laughs> should I pray for this guy? I don't know. <laughs> Actually, there's a sister in our community and they say, people would say, oh my gosh, sister, can you pray for me? And she goes, of course, I always pray for sinners. <laughs> <laughs> so we could say that back to you. No, all of us. <laughs> I was down in Honduras and we were working with the Sisters of Charity, hmm. the Missionaries of Charity, mm-hmm. Mother Teresa's Order. And I asked one of the sisters to pray for us. And she says, oh, I pray for everyone. And I just thought, that sounds like a cop-out. Like, I would agree. I mean... Just, is that just her nightly prayer? Is, Dear God, I pray for everyone. Amen. And that's, that's quick. Who needs a holy hour whenever you can do it in three seconds? We'll have an episode on intercessory prayer, maybe. <laughs> I like it. Today, we're going to talk about the culture. And as sisters, I feel like you're living a countercultural life, probably more so than myself. I'd like to think in some ways I'm countercultural, but oh, totally. just yeah. your habit alone kind of sets you away from like, this is not what normal people wear. And so we, we get that often. When, when you're out in public, you're kind of showing everybody that mm-hmm. you're not giving into some of these cultural norms mm-hmm. of how people dress in public. But What's acceptable? I, I think it raises I mean. the question of, <laughs> yeah. Are these cultural norms a good thing or a bad thing? In the case of clothing, there's some cultural norms that are appropriate and there's some clothing cultural norms that are inappropriate. But part of that is discerning what's part of culture that we accept and what parts we reject. And mm-hmm. not that everything in culture is a negative thing. I think a lot of times people refer to the culture as in like that represents all that is bad about the world. Like, and and we can't give into the culture or the media. And so there are some great things in culture. And hopefully we are <laughs> influencing culture and that Catholics are a good influence on culture. And there's a lot of good things that culture is doing because of that influence. But first of all, do you feel countercultural as religious sisters? Is that something that you feel like you are ostracized by people that people look at you funny or why are they so weird or do you feel like i don't really notice i just feel like this is a normal thing being a sister wearing a habit um i think like double side like that i'm comfortable 
in my own skin and like this is who I am. So in that sense, like I'm not like walking down the street and like super self-conscious and wondering what it, people are thinking or like, oh, I look different than everybody. Well, like, duh, like that's the point. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, um, so then when someone does notice that I look different or sometimes it's I've gotten ranges of like, are you Amish? <laughs> um, you must like, are you wearing that because you like believe in God or something? I'm like, uh-huh. yeah. Actually, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> good job. And then one time, like a conversation started from like, "Are you Amish?" Uh-huh. And then eventually, the person asked, like, "Well, then why don't you get to wear clothes like your mom?" I was like, "Well," my, and then my mother answered, and she said, <laughs> like, "Well, if she did, we wouldn't be having this conversation." <laughs> like, hmm, good job, mom. Right? Yeah, Meaning you dressing differently opens yourself up to some of these right. conversations because people will talk to you differently probably for better or for worse. Some might avoid you because of that. But some might ask you questions about your faith that right. they wouldn't ask me wearing a polo and jeans. Right. On the whole of it, I think I've had more positive encounters than sure. than negative, for sure. And yeah, like in our, our vows are public and then our habit makes us a public person too that, yeah, we are available to people we see and they know that. So then they can say sister can you pray for me or like ask questions about the faith or yeah whatever's on their heart or something and i imagine after a couple years you probably get used to the funny looks or you don't even think of it when you walk into a coffee shop in your habit (laughs) oh yeah but as new sisters has it taken some getting used to do you remember that time, Sister Kara Luce, when we went to Walmart as postulants? <laughs> Walmart. Oh, yeah. All the stairs. Yeah. And then you're like, what are they staring yeah, at? Yeah. What's the and big like, deal? Oh, what am I wearing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think at first it was like, why are people looking at us? So, yeah. Normality and being comfortable in what you're wearing and who you are and being a sign of hope and recognizing the situations where people engage with you and then yeah I mean your life is to help lead people closer to Jesus and his church and what better way than to strike up a conversation (laughs) with a weird you know brown thing you're wearing so (laughs) it's nice yeah it's definitely different because you could before the convent you could just go to Walmart and get your bag of chips and then leave. And now you walk in and everyone's like, what just happened? What's going on? Where's the rest of you? It's definitely helpful. The rest As in, not the rest of my whole person, but the rest, the rest of your Amish group or your right. family. Right. Where's right. your mom? Because I look like I'm 12. So um, I think it's helpful when there's more than one. So when I went on home visit, it was just me. Uh, so that was interesting. Mm. I definitely feel more confident with other sisters with me. Uh, and then they can realize, oh, maybe maybe you live in a community. Maybe you're not just wearing this because you want to. But the positive conversations that happened um, and what people know, it's kind of interesting. Like, like you can see them staring at you, debating in their mind. Should I say something? Oh, I don't know. And then they'll like inch closer and then pretend they're looking at something else. And then they'll be like, hi. And you're like, oh, hey, I haven't seen you for the past 10 minutes. Um, But yeah, to recognize when they look at me, they think of God, like whether or not they know him personally, but that you can't help but think like, why is she wearing that? So uh, think of God, which is incredible. That's incredible. And I think just personally as a Catholic, when I see priests or sisters or brothers out in public, I immediately recognize them as Catholics. And now I feel like we're family. You know, like, yeah. Oh, hey, sister. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just because 
I know that you're a Catholic and mm-hmm. otherwise everybody else walking around at the airport or whatever, I have no idea what faith they are. But the idea of being countercultural, I feel like sometimes that is maybe an excuse for being weird. Yes. Or or people Ugh. feel like <laughs> that's okay to be a weird Catholic. No. Or some people blame it on Catholicism. Right. When like maybe even if they weren't Catholic, this person unfortunately might still be weird and it's yeah. not Catholicism's fault. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> making someone weird. But I think to be countercultural in a way that people see us and they think, wow, I, that is interesting. They look joyful. That person is more positive than everybody else on social media or whatever, which isn't always the case with Catholics. <laughs> but for them to see something different in us mm-hmm. and that'd be a good thing. And they want that to be able to see that person has a joy, they, they have a great family or they don't take themselves too seriously. <laughs> they're not scared of death. <laughs> I don't know. Living like, in fear. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. That people would see that and be curious and that would lead them to God in a way rather than, boy, those people are really weird. I don't want to be anything like that. It's usually the first step of discernment actually is like, oh, those sisters are pretty weird. Don't want to do that. Two years later. (laughs) (laughs) Can I enter? (laughs) (laughs) But yes, it's supposed to be attractive. Like that's, yeah, God made the world to be attractive and culture is a way of communicating that or it should be. Yeah. So how do we discern what of culture is good and what is something we should be countercultural? Is it just a good versus evil or is it more complicated than that? I kind of think of it as like government, like government itself isn't evil. Like it's uh-huh. the kind of the government that's um, in place or something, you sure. know, like. Or um, aspects of it. Right. Right. Too. Um, particular laws or particular yeah. leaders. Might yeah. So saying like, yeah, all government is just evil. It's mm-hmm. like, well, you can't really say that. Same with the culture. You can't just say it's all evil, but it has a purpose. Like culture has a purpose to communicate truth beauty and goodness so Hmm. when it's not doing that and even sometimes like Flannery Connors does that like when it doesn't do that it's not living in accord to its purpose or it's not doing what it's supposed to do um and it's communicating death Flannery Connors says that well she doesn't say that but (laughs) she uses kind of this like almost like the grotesque to like shake people out of their I don't know. There's like sleep, <laughs> kind hmm. of. I, I'm not too familiar with her works, but like scary stories and stuff. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> Hopeless things. Yeah. No redemption. Uh huh. Very despairing. Yeah. Huh. I read one. I was like, what? <laughs> Why did I read this before bed? <laughs> um, but to get to your question, yeah, and to add to that, first you start with yourself, right? Vice and virtue in yourself, and purifying your vision like a windshield, clearing off all the bugs, the dirt that's built up through your own eyes and being able to see it in the people around you, your community. You see distortions. You see, okay, they desire something good, but they are not using the right means to get that good. What do they really want that 
they're just going after the wrong way. So you start with yourself and you can see clearer, you can see the truth, beauty, and the goodness that they are after, but maybe a different way um, mm. that isn't leading them to truth, beauty, and goodness. So, right. False truths or distorted yeah, beauty distorted. or yeah. I don't know what goodness would be bad corrupted <laughs> in some way. Badness. <laughs> Badness that looks appealing or that... I like addiction. I mean, I think yeah. it centers around things that we think are good, but are Right. So we recently talked about celibacy, chastity. That would be countercultural to the kind of mainstream culture. That would say do whatever you want with whomever you want, whenever you want, however you want. The other vows that you take of obedience and poverty, also countercultural, mm-hmm. that we should be independent and not take our our direction from anyone else. Like that idea of obedience is very submissive, mm-hmm. which again, that would be countercultural, that we're not supposed to be submissive. We're supposed to be more assertive. And the poverty. Can you talk about maybe how those three fit into being countercultural? And is that counter Catholic culture? Really are all Catholics called to live out those vows in maybe a different way? Yes. So there evangelical councils we vow to live those, but all people are called to live them out according to like their state of life. Okay. So in marriage being obedient to each other and mm. so on. But And to the church. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds of like no one can live a life completely void of obedience. Can't be done. <laughs> You'll end up in jail and then you're obedient. <laughs> like, it's just... <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. That's, that's, that's very deep. Yeah, because I guess the opposite of obedience in a way would be complete selfishness. Yeah, and loneliness. So then what... You're yeah. doing whatever you want. Yeah, lame. Instead of maybe what some other people would want of you. Yeah, I think the countercultural part in like probably like two levels that yeah, the the ideal that people espouse that I'm only free if I'm doing exactly what I want to do on my own terms, but that clearly doesn't lead to freedom. But then on the other side of like yeah, I'm binding myself even more to a rule of life, to the church, to my sisters than even like the you know, lay Catholic person mm-hmm. would. But that's to bring out a, a greater truth that like from the outside that might look that I'm like I'm constrained but I'm actually free hmm. like I can be free even with all of these quote they look like constraints in my life but they're not I actually suggest reading He Leadeth Me is a really awesome book who's that by He um, Leadeth Me can you can you pronounce the last name for me it. you can can you oh say check Walter Chizak Chizak that's Chizak. it yes okay. yeah. so he was um Father Walter Chizak, yes. yeah. Um, so he was living in uh, communist Russia, right? And like lived through the gulags and everything, but was free even in that. So even in like the worst situations in humanity of humanity, and he, yeah, was a free person hmm. in that. Yeah, that's the beauty of Christianity. Like no matter what happens, like I'm still free. Interior freedom. Mm-hmm. What is that? You have the choice to accept your situation or not, to accept what's going on in your life or not. And when you accept it, (laughs) you find 
And Viktor Frankl talks a lot about this in his therapy, finding meaning in the situation, that God actually thought about this situation and ordained it for you, gave you the grace, is giving you the grace to embrace it wholeheartedly and to show you something and lead you to a greater freedom. In all cases? In all cases. Hmm. In all cases. Okay. I feel like this is going to be a future episode. Okay. I was like, I see the devil's advocate going real strong. (laughs) Right. Uh, Yeah. We'll we'll try to stick on this though. So I feel like we've talked a little bit about chastity and how all Catholics, all people Mm -hmm. are called to chastity and that might be countercultural. And you're called to a very specific version of that as sisters talked about obedience how, yes, we're all obedient to somebody at some point, spouses, the church, mm-hmm. God. So that might be countercultural. And then poverty. That seems very countercultural in the case that we're supposed to work as hard as we can to make as much money as we can, to be as successful as we can, to have as much things as we can, because that's what's going to make us happy. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember right before I entered and closing down my bank account uh-huh. <laughs> in my hometown, is there's it, like it, literally two banks. Is in that the whole like place. a ritual? Is that like a becoming a sister? You close out your bank account? Is that a it thing? It depends. Like, I came in like in college, so I had, I don't know, $300 to my name. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so Woo. it wasn't a big deal. Um, <laughs> other people like have careers. There's a process like over time. So you don't, anyway. Um, oh. So, but for me, it was just like, well, I have to pay off my loans for college, so I'll just, like, it's whatever. Not a big yeah. deal. So the teller, she looks at me and she's like, so you, you're saying you're not going to have, like, a debit card, a checking, like, nothing? Like, not even the savings. You, you, you have nothing. I was like, uh, right. Yeah. They, they like, probably don't. don't have people coming into the bank <laughs> to close down their bank account without also planning to switch to another bank. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Right? Like nobody just like <laughs> I'm done with banking for the rest of my life. I'm done with money. Right? There's a few people yeah. who are like, yeah, I'm gonna store it all under my mattress yeah. and it's my backyard has a nice hole. I've got I've got tin cans buried underneath the oak tree. Put it in the house. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So well, that yeah, was, that probably is a unique experience. Yeah, but made p- complete sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, in what way does that help you? Mm. Uh like I don't have to think. Why is that a positive? I don't have to think about stuff. I mean, I have things that I have to use like for my apostolate mm-hmm. that but they're not mine. Like we hold all things in common. Uh, so I had um, a Dominican tell me he said I don't own anything. There's just some things that are more mine than anybody else's. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cute. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so like when I come to the mother house and my guitar is not here, I get to use <laughs> <laughs> Sister Emanuel's and Sister Carol Luce's because yeah. we hold all things we in common, right? Yeah. <laughs> and right. they stay in what? this room? No, no, yeah, it's yeah. No, I willingly let her use my guitar. It's, it's a nice one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, and even like financial concerns you have like for a family, like, yeah, mm-hmm. well, I mean, we have sisters that take care of and organize insurance and like all those things, but each of the sisters don't have, we don't have to worry about an insurance plan and making car payments and like all of those things. But on the flip side, we do have to ask for the things that we need. So to the world that might make it look like we're not, you know, self-sufficient or independent or whatever. I think it was the philosopher Biggie who said, mo money, mo problems. (laughs) (laughs) I believe you're right. Yeah. Do you feel like the less money you have, the less problems you have? (laughs) 
to quote a famous, <laughs> a famous uh, philosopher? Yes, yes, I think so. <laughs> Have you read Father Thomas Dubay's book, Happy Are You Poor? Yes, a, long, that, a while ago. Is that something yeah. that uh, sisters do? <laughs> Before taking a, a vow, I've read it, but I'm not read it yet. Okay, no. I feel like that was one. I've read it twice, and it's one of the very few books that I've read at all, much less twice. <laughs> uh, but it really talks about all of us having a call mm-hmm. of poverty, and that we really do become attached to our possessions. Mm-hmm. And yes, that's countercultural. But I think a lot of these things that you're maybe doing on an extreme level is still, these are all good things. Yeah. And not that the other things are a hundred percent bad. Like having things isn't necessarily bad. Having independence at times is not a bad thing. And I guess with chastity. Yes. Sex isn't a bad thing. There you go. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Help you out. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, a violation of chastity is not a good. Correct. It's kind of the difference between the good version of it versus the opposite of it. So when we're talking about possessions, Mm -hmm. there's like poverty being, well, I guess there's a negative there too. I think, can I butt in? Yeah. So everything's on a spectrum. So yeah, poverty in itself can be an evil when we keep people in poverty or inflict it, you know. And then on the other side, yeah, to be greedy and wealthy and just possess everything, you know, you just want more and more and more. Or being too attached to your things, like loving your TV just so much you can't live without it. Whatever it is, these are extremes. Yeah, that is disordered, both sides. So you have to have that happy medium. That's where virtue is, is in that medium. So I could have Mm. a lot of money. I could have a lot of things, but I give to charities. I do good things with it. Uh, I'm not attached to it, overly attached. So yeah, in itself, it is not an evil. It's always what we do with it and our attachment to it. But another part of poverty that I really like because... I didn't know it myself, is self-reliance is this Mm. uh, poverty of spirit that Jesus shows in the gospel so many times that we think we can do it all ourselves. We're like, God, you stay over there and just, you know, I'll get your blessing over my plans and uh, I can do it myself. I can help myself. I can get myself out of this situation. Um, I'm smart enough, good enough. And the reality is that our weaknesses are our greatest blessing because it is a place to open up to show, no, we need God. We are absolutely poor and we are absolutely dependent on him. But also we need each other. Right. Like I feel so often we want to be so independent that we don't need another person and then we don't have community. Just from stupid things like, why does everybody have their own lawnmower? Why can't we share lawnmowers? Why can't we pitch in with our neighbors? Mm-hmm. You only use it for an hour a week. <laughs> Why do we each have to have our own? Because we are, have to be completely independent. Mm-hmm. We can't. It's weakness to ask. Yeah. Or... To ask your neighbor to borrow something is a weakness. Mm-hmm. And so we miss out on so much community because of that. Yeah. And even the, like, the question of poverty, like Jesus said, like the poor will be with you always. Not mm-hmm. to say that we shouldn't. We should, should be complacent, but or, or we should force that. 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> We're just like, well, keep you there. The poor um, will be with you always, as long as you keep them there. <laughs> but that's and a call. He also call. said, blessed are the poor in right. the Beatitudes. Yeah. Like, Poverty itself is a sign, but also like a call to everyone else. Like mm-hmm. the wealthy need the poor just as much as the poor need the wealthy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so when the wealthy are not in community with, in mm-hmm. conversation with, not just donating to an organization right. so you don't have to see them, you know, but you saying that the rich need the poor mm-hmm. when they don't have that, yeah. how does their life suffer? Because they, they don't know a poor person or they don't help poor people. Yeah, I think like what Sister Emmanuel was saying because, and that's why St. Francis was so uh, adamant about poverty was because it is very attractive. So in our world, like we're able to act as if we don't need God. Mm-hmm. Like we've built a world for ourselves where he's not a necessity in their life because they can pay things away. They can try and solve their problems on their own. So I think without the witness of the poor, like that's just reinforced. Well, and I think the joy that you experience, the three of you are experienced with poverty. I see that also with like a minimalism movement. Yeah. yeah. Tiny homes. These people... <laughs> who have these huge homes or have all this stuff, they finally give it away and they're like, I'm just so much happier now mm-hmm. with just 20 articles of clothing. You know, that's all I needed. Mm-hmm. And all that other stuff was just causing me worry and anxiety and, and I didn't know if this was going to fit or if this would match that. But now my life is so much simpler and they're happier. Mm-hmm. But I think even, yeah, entering the convent, getting rid of everything, bringing a select number of clothing, like... In the beginning, it was really strange, Mm -hmm. I think, because that took up a majority of my time, like all my possessions. What am I going to do with all my clothes? What am I going to do today? And I almost didn't know what to do for the first month. I just kind of didn't do anything. Just kind (laughs) of sat on benches like, oh, gosh, my time was filled on my phone before. Um, And the freedom that came allowing myself to just be and our possessions sometimes yeah, our possessions take that away from us. The sure. ability to be present. Uh, it's been a great blessing. So back to maybe kind of one of the original questions of being countercultural and maybe feeling ostracized at some points. Have you ever gotten any pushback from family, friends, thinking, this is weird. Why are you doing this? Just be normal. Get married. What are you doing? You're throwing your life away, maybe. I don't know. Just this is not what normal people do. Oh, yeah. You got that? (laughs) Go for it. Yeah. I remember several people. So, like, you had people cry, like, wow, that's so beautiful. Praise God. Like, so good for the church. And then you had people cry, like, no, you can't do that. That's miserable. Why would you choose that? And, Uh like, are they coercing you? And, yeah, no, it is a free yes. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's a free yes. And this is out of love. It's not... Yeah, I don't know. I think some people have this idea that God is just choosing something so hard for you. And, you know, you just have to grin and bear it your whole life. So, (laughs) yeah, but he actually is so good and he wants the best for you and what will make you most happy. So I think that that conversation happened a lot with me before entering. Yeah. I think talking to my friends who also just graduated college it's hard to explain it to them because they just can't understand it. Uh-huh. Um, and then they always say, well, are you going to be happy? Yeah. I'm like, 
well, yes, but <laughs> like there's going to be pain. Um, and mm. I think their idea of fulfillment is a life without any suffering and what's good for me. It was, I think it was hard for them to understand that I'd be going to a convent and mm. yeah, doing things that I'm asked to do and submitting to someone else, I think. And how could I find happiness in that? And they're all just trying to figure out what apartment they want and what city and what clothes and stuff, which is all great things, like necessary things. Sure. But and I think being here, whatever, the past year, my trying to explain it to them before the convent was not very helpful to them. But them seeing me when mm. I come home, like how happy I am. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're just like, okay, well, we still don't really know why <laughs> you're so happy. But you're more yourself than you were a year ago. So, yeah living it out through our actions and supporting them in what they're deciding to and trying to make them happy. <laughs> it makes me think of that, uh, I think, First Peter, the always be ready to mm. provide a reason for your hope yeah. or joy or, you know, first we have to have that hope and joy, you know, that, <laughs> that other people want to know, like, why are you so happy? Yeah. But uh, so often I feel like maybe we're not responding to the call to be countercultural in a way that is going to bring us that joy that then people see us with joy that we explain. Mm -hmm. So responding to that call is what brought you mm -hmm. the joy. And it was countercultural and people might not have understood it, but then whenever they see how happy you are, like, oh yeah, this is what she was called to do. Yeah. So I guess first we have to figure out that calling and being willing to, yeah. to do things that are not really normal, but don't be weird. Yeah. Please. <laughs> you can do Please. a whole episode on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, sisters. It's been a lot of fun. Oh, thank you. One of the best ways to support us is to share this podcast with your friends. We'd appreciate it. And until next time, remember to leave room for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit.